0: This armpit has been itching me like a motherfucker for like two weeks. What do you think? Like I'd never stop itching it. Should I spray some Chilcagway on it? Um. I might need to do that real quick. Otherwise I'm going to be itching my armpit the whole time.
1: We should put this on the thing.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, you want to start with this? Yo, 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 yo. Yo. Yo, Cass, what the fuck? Hi, Sean. Yeah, what up? We're being crazy. Sean, my armpit is fucking itching me. Like, I don't know why. For two weeks, I'm, I'm like...
1: Maybe I should spray it. Sp- yeah.
0: Spray it with you some You were Chil- like, Kogway. I want to
1: spray Chilkagwe in my armpit. And I was like...
0: Good, really get it. No, up.
1: Okay. That should be interesting.
0: Should be interesting.
1: <laughs> this This is legit stuff, though. The Chilkagwe? Yeah, because, I mean, you sprayed it on poison ivy. went away right away. People mm-hmm. have used it for psoriasis and different skin things. Yeah. I don't know. Miracle Antiviral,
0: stuff. antibacterial.
1: I'm all about that. Miracle. Ointments.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's good for getting rid of ghosts.
1: You just spray it into the air? Yeah. I'm not going to try the eyes, though. I think I can pass without ever doing my eyeballs. No. We don't I think that actually could really hurt you. No.
0: You put it in your butthole.
1: No, only once.
0: No, You're like, no, you did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, you don't, you shouldn't. I did it once. It was really painful. I think we've covered that territory. A
0: little pain never hurt anyone.
1: Yes, I'm realizing that you're not the only person who gets off on pain. I mean, I know it's like always been a thing that people have like explored, mm. you know, self-hurting themselves and stuff. I've, I've known that since I was a kid and knew I had a friend who was doing that, but um, you're an adult. And you're, like, finding creative ways to, like, hurt yourself, but, like, not leave any scars.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I think that that, that's, like, your projection of, of like, if you were doing that stuff. Like, that's your projection of protecting your comfort zone. Yeah. Because I'm, like, I'm not hurting myself ever. Like, in fact, it's the opposite. I'm helping myself. Like, when I I put that stuff in, in my mouth or on my lips or on my fucking dick, like gets the tears going it, he, it, it doesn't allow for stagnation you have to focus on something all of a sudden you're dealing with something right and I love that
1: well shout out to our buddy Dom who we were on face or on a video chat with him the other day and he starts he puts bitters in his mouth yeah and I was like now that we're all like mapping the territory yeah. of, of what's possible and what you can kind of like have your body kind of deal with and experience so we might need a bottle of bitters like for um it's cocktails. A, like all
0: this stuff. The hape sananga drops, like they're they're like draino.
1: Yeah, it clears energetically. It's it's kind it of clears
0: the paths for energy to do their thing.
1: Yeah, Cause it like it overwhelms, like I feel like they overwhelm a chakra. Like the hapay overwhelms your um
0: Crown chakra. Crown
1: chakra and your third eye and it just like whew, and it kinda like allows you to Yeah start fresh, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's no, everything's a fresh start and there are no fresh starts. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm on the fence about that one.
0: Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's a very, a podcast in 2021. Our sixth year of doing this should be uh, a wild one.
1: I know. And last year was, we did the most podcasts. I think that, um, not going anywhere or not having any jobs or whatever really helped our podcast life.
0: Yeah. Not having the illusion that there was other things to work on because there wasn't, there wasn't anywhere else to go or nothing else to do. So I think we just must've gotten in a habit where we're doing like two a week for a while because we did 60 podcasts last year, which I'm proud of. I think it's cool.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting how we've like allowed it to be this thing that we're like, we don't feel normal until we've done it. Like it's part of the practice. Yeah. Like we have a friend we're hanging with and... We, like, are, like, got to do a podcast before we hang with them because if we don't do it, we're going to be, like, a little... A little off. A little off. We're, like, we're
0: only just realizing this. Yeah. I mean, that's... You're talking about addiction, homie. Really? Right? You're talking about withdrawal, addiction. Like, you don't feel normal till you do this thing. <laughs> you're addicted.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I think you just put it in your head is like, okay, this is how we move the energy. This is... It allows new to enter new realms mm. when you go through it and you whatever. So I don't know. It's just like, it, I feel like as you get older and you realize how important practices are, more practices get added to the the list. Yeah. You know, and some shed away.
0: I mean, part of it for me is like um, burning through thoughts and material mm-hmm. that otherwise might like stick around in my head and I might make them more important than they are, but they're just thoughts. They're just totally. my, like like my dopey little opinion about things. But those could crystallize into my destiny if they hung around for too long. Totally. So, like, we get on here and it's almost like a journal entry. It's like, let me just burn this energy out of me. Let me just get this out of it because I don't want to give it any more weight than necessary.
1: Yeah, I think you and I are both in the class of, like, your thoughts aren't that important. So, when people, like, really give a lot of weight to their thoughts or, like, I've been thinking about this thing or I need yeah. to say this thing or whatever. it's like-
0: Or give a lot of weight to our thoughts.
1: Oh, yeah. You know
0: what I mean? And it's just like we're a couple stoners who are just like just doing a little diary entry and like you see like it doesn't happen often but when it does it's crazy people come at us like what the fuck like last time on the last podcast i was like yo fucking new year 2020 was dope you know we got through it we did this like fuck collective victimhood like we can have a better spiritual lens on this whole thing that fucking triggered some dude and who's just like just like writing to me like going off on me and fucking paragraphs upon paragraphs and i'm just like dude Like I can't even stand by what I said. I don't know. I was just fucking moving energy I was just saying something in the moment I was just trying to fucking have an uplifting thought about things
1: Yeah, I don't think you're trying to be in denial that like this has been an incredibly challenging year for so many people and it's been full of loss and heartache and heartbreak and kind of disappointment and our system and oh
0: it's more to come
1: there's so much but it's like 2020 <laughs> is
0: gonna be looked at as the good old days that's
1: what i'm saying that that's the kind of place that we're in right now is that that's and that we were with my mom last week and she kept saying and she's like you know i might as well enjoy this this might be the good old days you know and yeah. i totally agree
0: yeah totally it's you know? like uh, we are being left hung out to dry in every conceivable way our politicians don't represent us they represent business interests Mm. You know, our, our, uh, our national defense does not defend us.
1: It yeah. defends
0: business interests and it paves the way around the world for us to go in, and steal resources and exploit labor and, and do all these things that I think that we've become blinded to because we're so comfortable in our way of life. But as things start to shift with this virus, with people just awakening more, I feel like that's going to kind of find itself being obsolete. Like Mm -hmm. sooner or later, average people who don't even pay that close attention are going to say, why do we spend billions upon trillions defending this country when we don't even take care of the people here?
1: Yeah. We're going to have half a million people have died from coronavirus within the next year. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, that is a big tragedy and it's kind of like one of those things like we're, what we we're talking about is how we're eternal optimists in so many ways and how we have
0: to we're walking a fucking tightrope we're artists it's so fucking like r- ridiculous you know it, it's tough for us totally so, so we have to have a certain lens on to even to get through mm-hmm. to feel like we have purpose here
1: yeah and I'm, I like I there's part of me that goes inside and I'm like okay I'm 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 making this work, but like I like it's almost like I appreciate the comments because when they come through me, I'm like, okay, where am I complacent? Like, where am I not showing up and helping or whatever it is? Like, it's kind of a beautiful mirror. So for that, I'm grateful.
0: Oh, totally. Totally. Make us be on our game a little bit more. Keep us on our fucking toes.
1: Yeah. Or just say like, oh, we actually don't really give a fuck what anyone thinks. So we're going to go harder.
0: Mm, I love when someone stops listening to this podcast. I'm like, cool. You did your work with us. That's, that's it. That's how it moving feels. Moving on. That's how it feels. Moving on, my brother. You do not need to send me five paragraphs about your little part of this conversation. I, I really don't care. You're a stranger. You're not my friend. And if you're coming at me with that fucking negative energy, like, you're going to see that you don't really fucking earn a place in my heart. So, mm-hmm. what the fuck?
1: <laughs> Everyone has a place in your heart, Shawnee.
0: I know, but you should have to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> you should have to earn it with sweetness
1: i guess i guess you didn't earn a place in his heart and he just had to tell you
0: whatever if i trigger some asshole and that means that some asshole isn't listening to our shit anymore great great we didn't turn off the uh the heat
1: it's okay i'll do it right now
0: all right while you're doing that i should mention um that we have a new show the afterglow show it's basically like a like another podcast that we do after this one and we put on our Patreon only and it's um,
1: a little more personal.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit more personal, if a little it more, can get more personal, a little more chill, a little bit more relaxed. I think basically like, it's not like stuff we would be hesitant to talk about on here, some stuff, but it's more like, um, having done this, our vibe is totally much more chill when we do that one. So, I think it's going to be a cool thing. you got to sign up for our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash churchofchill to have access to that. And you also get access to our Discord community and the Church of Chill radio show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much to everyone who is in that because that's fucking awesome. And yeah. It stays alive and it's thriving and it's 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 actually, like, become a real space for me to have, like, creative energy. Like, I'm already thinking about, like, art challenges we can do and stuff that'll be really cool. So yeah, it's, totally. It's giving me so much life. And, uh, yeah, and you can pay any amount, which is kind of the best part about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. We don't need a certain amount or anything like that. Just mm. a place to hang out together and you know we're on to something with that afterglow show cuz your mom already told us she sent a note like you should censor that part you should take this out you shouldn't talk that much about this thing or that thing so uh i don't know when you're ruffling those kind of feathers i think it's you know you're on to something
1: <laughs> hopefully she doesn't hear this
0: your mom gave us a towel that says do something every day to that that would make your your mom nervous
1: she tells me all the time, like, be young, have fun. And yeah. now that I'm actually learning how to be have fun, it's, like, making her a little uneasy and she's it's like, kind of perfect. She's like,
0: whoa, you're taking this to another level.
1: Yeah, because I was, like, the kid who would, like, you know, knit and, and not, like, really party or whatever. And she's like, Cass, you're not going to be young forever. You're not going to have, you know, hair <laughs> 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 or whatever. <laughs> like, you should fucking live it up. Have a good time. And now that I'm, like, really having a good time. She's, uh, it can make her a little nervous, but I think more than anything, it's inspired her to have a good time in her life and she seems happier than ever, which is fucking awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We were just up visiting her in Maine, did a little LSD trip with her. Yeah. Always fun. Mini one. Yeah. A little mini trip. Mm-hmm. Be like a no big deal, like casual, like, Hey, what are we doing today? Let's take a bunch of microdoses. Let's take a meta dose.
1: Well, this next stage of her life, she's devoted to art. And so, um, LSD is such a great ally to the creative spirit mm-hmm. and it definitely is like a perspective shifter so when you shift your perspective you can kind of see things differently your art can take different turns that you didn't even really expect which is just fucking epic
0: yeah oh my god it was so fun we just like we took it and it was be, because it wasn't like flood dose crazy come up we just got right into like painting and listening to music mm-hmm. and your mom made this beautiful painting of me yeah, yeah. I was like so flattered she But she did like, it with
1: her left hand because she, she broke her wrist. With her, her left hand, yeah.
0: And it's it, it it was it's amazing to because I'm very familiar with her art. You know, having spent so much time with her, I've been following her since she first started doing art. And um, to see you that when she takes acid, it takes on a whole other dimension.
1: And it, she it, would it, agree. And,
0: yeah. and 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 it's not even a dimension she would really want to inhabit all the time like Like she knows like like when when we take lsd that day it's like this is this is a psychedelic painting Mm -hmm. like i don't want to be represented this is is, i don't want to get pigeonholed as doing this kind of thing this is a psychedelic painting this is what i'm seeing and feeling but just like she was just walking us through the process and like it started off as just like you know me sitting there djing i was like across the table from her and she just started like sketching it out and it It looked good. And then, uh, you know, she put the window behind me and the plant that's next to me. So it started off a little realistic. And then as it kept going, as the acid started kicking in, she turned the window into a portal. And she turned the plant into this, like, mystical smoke being. And she, like, incorporated all these colors that I think she normally would not put together. Mm -hmm. And it was just fucking awesome. Really cool. Tripping with your parents is, like really really cool thing to do
1: it's so fun and i think the i think there's been a big shift i think we were noticing this when we were coming back we're like now that we because my mom lives like seven hours away and that we she used to live like 20 minutes away or an hour away and so we would spend an hour two hours with her and it was kind of like hey i'm here you know we see each other and it's all nice and everything but now we like go up there and we're like chill Mm. we're in the zone and i think that's kind of can be the same for friends like there's a much different hang when you're like, I'll meet you for coffee. than when you're like, come into my apartment and let's spend eight hours together.
0: Or, or like Joey's coming next week and it's like, he's going to be here for 10 days. Right. Like we're going to touch depths that we can't get to on the phone
1: mm-hmm. or,
0: or just like smoking a joint real quick for an hour. Like mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to touch new depths and that's something I've been thinking about a lot because down there in those depths, that's where the big fish are. Right. You know, up, up here, you know, th- there's, there's plenty. There's plenty of, there's plenty to feast on. there's you know there, there's plenty to fish and and net in and whatever. But when you take the time in your life to go deeper with yourself, to go deeper with people, that's where you start to catch the big fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's like the sweet elixir of life when you start to not seek necessarily new relationships all the time, but deepen the ones you have.
1: I couldn't agree more. Isn't I think that cool? that's really well said and that yeah. feels really true. And I, I feel it like reflected in especially the relationship with my mom and the relationship we have with our friends and stuff.
0: And, and you know, like, just take the time to settle in with somebody, mm-hmm. take the time to spend more time with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause it's, it's this connection that we have with each other and with ourselves that kind of like, it's so satiating you yeah. know, and that's why when we did a space camp and we're all together for three days, it just was like a very, it's like one of, it's the most memorable part of last year for me. You know, the yeah. highlight of the year was like this three day weekend and, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like a festival, but with a smaller group, you can kind of, you know, yeah. see each other in the morning and the evening and at the before a trip and after a trip and during a trip and all like live lifetimes together. And that's why you and I will like, if we're someplace awesome, we're going to be like, all right, we need to trip hard here because i need to
0: live here
1: live here yeah like we, were in, we were in this
0: dope place in the grill jamaica that was just like overlooking this cove and you could just jump off of this cliff into like right in our backyard mm-hmm. and we were only there for three nights we were like we need to fucking trip hard here so it feels like we spent a month here and it did it, it like it feels like our, our home away from home someplace we spent for three nights
1: I fucking lived a lifetime there yeah no regrets
0: yeah we plunged the depths uh-huh that's what that's what you can do if your if your intention is to slow it down a little bit Mm. i feel like you can plunge deeper depths with people with yourself like i think it's analogous to your breathing you know when you're (laughs) when you're breathing like that short shallow breaths you only have access to the shallow thoughts Mm -hmm. you know that that top layer like this, this kind of like fear and static and um, impulse, those yeah, kind of things. The first thought you have. The first thought you have. Yeah. Which Total Al- indulgence.
1: Allen Ginsberg says that the first thought is your best thought, but I would disagree.
0: <laughs> I, I think none of them matter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but but you know what I mean. So then you take it. Uh, if, if you're breathing like that, you're like you're, you're up there in a very very shallow. You're you're, you're drowning. You're you know. You're mm-hmm. breaching, you're going back under it. <laughs> but when you slow down your breath, and if you do that for an extended amount of time, and I, this is not news to anyone. I'm just making it analogous to relationship. Mm-hmm. When you slow it down.
1: Yeah, and even quiet it down. You leave more space for something to be said that wouldn't necessarily be said when you don't have to always fill the air.
0: Yeah, and and when you breathe like that and take a deeper breath, you continue to do that. You're um, you're creating space for the big fish.
1: Yeah, and it makes me think of like doing documentary and how important it is to leave room for whoever you're talking to to share what's on their mind, not just like answering a question.
0: Totally. You know. Totally. That's you know that's something I always say like when when people want to talk to me about the shortcuts of documentary filmmaking. How do you get people to be like that? Like I don't know. I don't ask them questions. Mm Mm-hmm. Even on this podcast, look back at a lot of our episodes and it spooks some people, you know, some expert, some expert on something will come in here yeah, and like, we'll just start. And it's not like, so explain to me what you, you know, because I feel like that, that in more of an interview, an interview is something you kind of like you're doing to somebody, you're Mm -hmm. thrusting on them. A conversation is like much more of uh, an even exchange. Mm. So even though there's a, there might be a camera fixed on you and it's not on me and um, it it might feel like an interview. I try to earn a conversation.
1: Yeah. That helps it dissolve the roles.
0: Yeah. It helps it dissolve the roles. And once the, once the roles are dissolved, you're going to get a better sense of who that person is. You're going to be able to essentialize them more. Mm. It's all right there. That's why what we do doesn't take that long. Right. We're not like, Oh, The project that we've been working on for six years is like—it's not really necessary for what we want to do. For what we want to do. I don't want to be precious. I don't want to be precious about this. I don't want to be precious in our films. I don't want them to come off as precious. I want them to come off as real. Real shit. Real shit. Real shit. Using other people, using films, using art, using love, using psychedelics. Using music to map the territory mm. yeah, and and if you just like think about it how like you know how like you you'll go to Google Maps like and you type in an address on Google Maps and like there's like all these options to look at it like oh, you can look at it through the road maps or you can look at it through a satellite view or you can look at it through like an infrared thing or whatever. those are just like different augmented realities to see the territory and I feel like every time every time we take LSD or we smoke toad or we take mushrooms or we have sex or we start in a new relationship. We're putting another layer over the map so we could see more so it can illuminate more. So we might have access to lost dimensions of our soul. Mm -hmm. That's the way I think of it. Like it's worth doing it. It's worth going outside your comfort zone. It's worth talking to that person. It's worth writing that email. It's worth taking that tab it's worth singing that song because you're going to illuminate things that I think you otherwise might not have seen because you were just looking at it for, as the roadmap. And what does Robert Anton Wilson say? The map is not the territory.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it was said for the first time in 1931 by Alfred Kurbinski, if I got that right. Um, yeah, I mean. What's that mean? Uh, what he meant by it and what it means is that like the territory exists but how you see the territory and the map of the territory is not the territory. It is your version of the territory. You know what I mean? We all have different versions of how we, everyone who listens to this podcast is going to have a different way that they hear it, a different thing that they remember, a different thing that they notice when they look at the image, you know? And so it's like you, we all have our own um, filters or experiences that have led us to see things in a certain way, but that doesn't change that something exists outside of us. And mm-hmm. that there is a territory, there is a universal reality. And like, it's such a privilege to be human and like think about things and see things and smell things and hear things and taste things. And it's, but you are your own God, but you are not, you are everything, but you also are like limited in your scope. And that's kind of beautiful because that makes you unique. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. It, Acknowledging that is such a, it's a, it's a freeing thing that I'm limited in my scope.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that I might not always have access to universal truths. Right. That, I, you know, but that, that
1: makes, but you're still yourself a universal truth. Mm-hmm. Like you're always, you always mm. are a universal truth. So you can't like separate yourself from God or universal truth. Like it just is. Yeah. But how you see it and how you feel about it is just your relationship to it. Mm. It reminds me of um, like how Ram Dass, this is kind of like a different take on it, but how Ram Dass was like doing a lot of, psychedelics in the early 60s or the 60s and he was like would go get high and then come down and like try to figure out like what's the map to this world so i can stay high you know and that's why he went to india and Mm -hmm. met his guru and everything and so um there is like the thing is you can like create your he made he made a map for himself Mm -hmm. through his relationship then with gurus and everything and he can share his map and i think that we all can get a lot from his map and Mm -hmm. do. Yeah. But um it's not the map.
0: No. I think one a really astute thing that that um he's spoken about is that there's a big difference between getting high and getting free. Yeah.
1: What's the difference to you?
0: High feels temporary. Right. Yeah. Free feels free. (laughs) You know what that is.
1: Free feels the most powerful when you're like hit a low and you're just like, I'm not going to stay here or like, you know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. you can break new patterns. Like it feels like mapping the territory for us personally is like doing new experiences, um, trying to experience new things so that our, like our map gets bigger, Mm -hmm. but also, um, you know,
0: (laughs) trying different things with your, within your relationships.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah, what I was going to say is breaking patterns, you know, breaking the pattern of how you relate to someone or what someone, when someone says something, what it means to you, Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Breaking the assumptions and it's really fucking hard and I don't have the answer. I hope you can find it. But, you know, we're all like programmed, whether it's astrologically or nurturing, which I think how you were nurtured is related to your astrology. It's like you can predict if someone... Not predict, you could like look at someone's birth chart and be like, oh, you had a bad relationship with your mom or whatever it is, Mm. you know, like that's kind of, your astrology almost is like a blueprint for the life you're going to have, you know, Mm -hmm. in a weird way, which I'm coming to understand. I don't speak that well to that. Hopefully have an expert on It's a
0: it's a way of mapping the territory,
1: a way of mapping the territory. But, um, yeah, it's. I lost my train of thought a little bit. I'm sorry about
0: that. Oh no. Are you all cranked up, Cass? Do you need to smoke weed?
1: I probably should bring it down a little bit. I should probably level it out. Do you
0: want to smoke our new bowl or one of these fat fucking joints I rolled?
1: Mm. Fat joint.
0: All right. You asked for it.
1: We I got deliver. We got gifted some incredible weed. Oh my fucking god. What
0: the fuck is our life?
1: Fucking blessed weed. Like this is a fucking high spiritual dude who like I know sings to these plants I mean the weed we get is always blessed because who we get it from is also, also amazing and high high being but um, just to taste other people the fruits of other people's labor and love and care is just so delicious and sweet yeah
0: weed is such a gift weed is such a gift it's like uh, it's my best friend
1: hey would this be a good time to read that quote that I wanted to read the, sure. Do you, do you want
0: to talk about what this is? You want to provide a little context, Cass, for sure. the listenership?
1: Last night I was going through the complete annotated Grateful Dead lyrics, the 50th anniversary edition with a foreword by Robert Hunter, the, a lyricist, the lyricist, one of many lyricists, but he did most of a lot of the Grateful Dead songs. Mm-hmm. i Be careful with my language here. I'm not Probably
0: really sure. our favorite poet
1: yeah incredible poet he did most of the lyrics writing the lyrics and then they would put music to it yeah a lot of times artists work differently but besides like two songs like uncle john's band and yeah um ripple or whatever he um wrote the lyrics and then we gave them to you know bobby or mostly jerry garcia anyway
0: he and jerry garcia were were childhood friends and um you know, played in bands together and just had very similar sensibilities and um, ended up writing all these beautiful, legendary songs together. And I think one of the things that I tell people when they when they'd never heard of Robert Hunter and they want to know, like, what what was his deal? Like, what was he like? I always think of um, just like it's not even really an anecdote, but the first time Jerry Garcia ever tripped on acid. He was at home with his wife. I think it was like 1964, I think. He was at home with his wife, and he, and he took LSD for the first time, and he was at fucking freaking out, and he was having a bad time. And uh, he went over to Robert Hunter's house to soak up some wisdom. Yeah. So when when you think about Robert Hunter, think about the kind of guy that Jerry Garcia would go to to bring him back to uh, consent reality. Yeah. <laughs> but but this guy had like you read me this forward from this book last night, and it is so full of artistic inspiration. And new ways of thinking about craft and new ways of thinking about what being an artist even is. So you were reading this out loud last night and we're just like highlighting all kinds of stuff. So uh, why yeah, don't but, you read this piece? This one is about what it's like to be an artist.
1: This is a particularly good nugget. So yeah. take what, with from it what you will and what is what serves you. <laughs> he says, I'm often asked what it takes to become a songwriter Either those who write the majority of memorable songs are hypocrites, or this is, a pretty mu- this is pretty much the recipe. No one ever said it'd be easy. You can either get a guitar, a pencil, and some paper and do it, or proceed to violate your mind and body to a certain degree to prove your worth of your salt as an artist. You should maybe stop short of running right over a cliff, though one or two major falls do you no harm if you survive intact. Beware creative writing programs. It is well if you have... It is well if you have your heart broken many times and break the hearts of others through your creative self-indulgence. It's de rigueur to do a certain number of fool-hearted things with the fair degree of regularity. Or, if a, a coward by nature, which is perfectly fine, you should learn to cringe at, the, at things that possibly, can, cannot possibly harm you, and to fear where there is no reason to fear. If you are so base as to have money... It is recommended you spend it foolishly and make no provision whatsoever for your old age. Unlikely as it is, you'll have one. Above all, recognize that everything you know that is is a flat-out lie or only relatively true in certain restricted and unpleasant situations. Trust only in how you feel about things, not in their so-called reality. Love God ferociously and live like the very devil. Always count your chickens before they've hatched compromise in the larger picture but never on details remember that deadlines are for dummies if you can't neglect an appointment at least be late be of good cheer where others moan and strike a glum face in the midst of merriment remember you're an artist and it's your proud tradition to be difficult (laughs) Oof!
0: awesome fucking awesome i love what he says about making no provisions for your future that that really starts to strike a chord with me that's trust right that is trust that's trust in yourself and your abilities and not acting like a fucking squirrel that's going into hibernation you know hoarding things away and stashing things away but showing up to the moment being open
1: yeah it's so funny i needed to read this yesterday because we're this is this is us in a lot of ways like this relates to us and feels very familiar and validating um but at the same time it's like I look at my mom, she said like her first job, she started thinking about retirement. She saved for her retirement. She has a beautiful home on the ocean Hmm. and has the freedom to um, make art all day, every day and hang with her cat. And a lot of people don't have that privilege at 69 years old. And so saving for your retirement does work. I mean, I've seen it, but I mean, are you, I need to live hard and bright, I think, like well, I, you want to be
0: an artist now you don't want to do it when you're 69 you don't want to start that journey in your 60s you and, want to do it now
1: and I might be cursing myself later on but I think that I'm willing to not live the longest life if that means I can live a fuller one now like I'm yeah, with, oh yeah you'll be back I'm with <laughs> yeah like I'm with the love of my life right now like yeah. I want to live it big and hard and yeah and do it up and experience things and I don't know. I think there is a balance, and I think that uh, maybe there is not, though. I don't know.
0: I feel like uh, sometimes, especially lately, if, this sounds crazy, but it feels like, like my life. It feels like I am getting like a fucking good blowjob from the universe, <laughs> and it feels like it feels like I earned it with with my love and gratitude for that thing, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it—the universe, God, source, whatever. But my devotion to it, my gratitude for it, my small understanding of what it is.
1: And You're willing to seduce it.
0: My willingness to seduce it and trust it uh, has me feel like I'm fucking getting a sweet blowjob from fucking angels all the time. Which, <laughs> which is a pretty good way to go through you know
1: mm-hmm. so far so good so far so good yeah
0: but like I I relate with almost everything he said in that thing I know he's trying to be cute and it, and it's funny but a lot of it by accident is us you know if if, if if you can't avoid an appointment you at least show up late like oh my god that's you I'm like
1: <laughs> I'm not that much of an artist like I look at that and I read certain things and I'm like okay I'm not going to be a Robert Hunter, but I'll do my own thing. No,
0: like if you're in the world of pitching stuff and people getting together to approve of your thing or whatever, you want to be the last person in that meeting. Anytime I've done like, you know, I just think back like when I first started directing commercials, I'm like 27 years old and I'm like in fancy ad agencies and their nicest office, long glass table and 50 people are on in the room and another 20 are on a conference call and it's like, okay, Sean, take over. I was the last person to show up to that meeting. I showed up high and I just fucking did my thing. I just went in and did my thing, found my flow and booked the job, took care of business. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I know. You're, I've always really known that you're like, fuck, well, Sean's an artist. Like there are certain things about how you operate within life that are different from how other people would do things and how different at times I have wanted you to do things. <sighs> I you know, know? I know. And it's, but it's, uh to read that is like so funny because I've definitely just like, I was young when we got together and I was kind of figuring out, like, do I want to be serious or do I want to have fun? And <laughs> <laughs> and I chose fun. Well, you chose I, me, I, so yeah. you
0: weren't choos- choosing serious. <laughs> well, I, well,
1: I choose fun. Like, you have to choose fun over and over and over again. Every day. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I mean... Robert Hunter's maybe like one of my favorite artists ever. So to hear him say all this is like reminds me of like oh yeah like it's gonna be hard. Like, yeah. You're not choosing the easy path, but f- you know, it's like you've got to appreciate the easiness where it comes, and it's easy when you like have fun with it, and you know that like hey we're choosing the hard path. Like mm-hmm. you, you're consciously making that decision. Um. And then you can kind of, a pre, you cannot be a victim of it, you know, the insecurity we have, the unknown, yeah. the all that stuff that goes along with how we live, yeah. the vulnerability.
0: I, I think um, I can only speak to, this isn't me being conceited, I can only speak to my personal experience, but I think one of my gifts as an artist is knowing when I'm um, in the presence of the muse, knowing when I am in a period of inspiration. Mm. Yeah, being, being aware of that, being aware of the cycles. And and when I met you, it was like, okay, cool, I'm swimming in it now.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: um, 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 I, it, it clicked in, it just clicked in and we're able to do a lot of stuff together because of that, because of, uh, it, it just, it, it feels like, I know we're gonna spend our life together, it just doesn't feel like enough time.
1: Yeah, I say yeah. I feel that way all it the time. It doesn't feel like
0: enough time. Is it like yeah. for a person to give you that feeling? Is is for them to be inspiring you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, oh man, there's not enough time. Let's do more. Mm-hmm. Let's connect more. Let's let's really really try to to skim off that surface layer of bullshit that's controlling a lot of people, right. and not let it control us. And this is a fucking daily practice mm-hmm. to try to tap into that. But you, um, are like a, like a talisman of inspiration for me. You're such a, like a, like a symbol of, of beauty and innocence and just like angelic light. Like, you know, it's, well, like, I would, I would, it's so inspiring. I would be like, I want to make you laugh. I want to make you cry. I want to, I want to move you. I want to surprise you. You know, I, I When I write, that's all I'm doing. I know you're the, like, I don't care who else reads it. I don't give a shit. If you don't like it or you don't react in a certain way, you see how I get. I know. I I fucking lose my mind i lose yeah. the fucking narrative. I'm
1: like, cool, cool. Thanks for sending this over. And you're like, I'm like, I was just
0: writing for six hours for you. <laughs> I don't fucking care who you send this to. I don't know who our agents and managers and these companies that rep us. I don't even know who the fuck they are. I don't pay attention. You literally handle everything. So like when I'm writing, when I'm like coming up with new ideas and trying to pull in the big fish and uh, it's for you, it's for it. To, that fish is our feast. It's, it's not for everyone else. So even all the movies, all the movies, American Juggalo, Stray Dog, those two movies we made like right when we first met.
1: Yeah, we were seeing Johnny. We were seeing a show with Johnny. Johnny Corndog. Who we made Stray Dog about. And you were like, we should make a movie about him. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> we
0: literally just stumbled into a bar together. We were just like, you know, drunk in love.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, probably literally and figuratively, just like letting our hearts guide us because you and I shouldn't have even been hanging out. That was controversial. I was married. I should not have been even doing that. But our hearts were guiding us through territory that we hadn't mapped. Right. And our hearts guided us into a bar that we normally wouldn't even go into. We went into Union Pool Mm -hmm. and Johnny was playing in the back. Johnny corndog and he got up there and I feel like before he even sang a note like I remember I can remember this like it was yesterday we were like back by the by like you know how those stairs go up to the balcony and that like back area yeah we're just like chilling back there and he comes out and I was just like it's like I knew it was like meeting you I just turned to you and I was like we should make a movie about this guy
1: and we're still friends you know we're what I mean? still besties he's like such a bestie and so it's just yeah. been yeah like,
0: we've been friends for 10 years it's
1: been joy that's given back joy it's like you know yeah we've been friends that was 10, 10 years, years ago yeah. holy
0: shit that might have been like right around now
1: january 2011 mm. we filmed that yeah so 10 year yeah, we, anniversary we, like
0: basically like he played that night he blew us away thank god because mm-hmm. i got already i was already like we're doing something with this guy or about him or i want to
1: do more things with him you know Me what too. i mean Me i have too. like three other ideas that I'm, I'm so
0: inspired by him he's so charismatic He so deserves and belongs on camera i know um but it was funny because he ended that show that night um by saying something like i'd never really heard a performer like that say like he just he, he was so real on stage like his performance isn't really a performance it's johnny right and at the end of the show he was just like he was just in a good mood and he was just like let's be friends and yeah. I was just like, I'm taking that like it's like he's talking to me. Yeah, he's like, let's be friends. You know, if you see me, like, say hi. Like, look, let's be buddies. And um, I, I uh, shot him a call the next day, and I was like, we're way we're way into you. You know, we saw you last night. We're way into. you. I'd love to make something about you. But just, I don't know what it will be or when it will be. And he was like, dude, I'm going on tour with Dawes, the band, um, next week we're going on tour through these obscure clubs and hole in the wall places down the coast of California. And when we get to Southern California, I'm running a marathon and I was like, that's our movie. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Cool. And we went out there and did it, but it was like very much you and I just like following our hearts. And while we were on that trip, I remember we were, we were with Hillary and Jeff, our cinematographers and, like, it was just going so good. And it was just, like, we were just, like, really starting to navigate, like, how dope filmmaking could be. It was, like, my first – it was my fourth film, but I could, I could feel how dope it could be making the movie. Right. And everyone was just so in love. And everyone was so in love with Johnny. And it was just, like, magic was just happening left and right that whole trip. It was mm-hmm. just fucking incredible. And Hillary and Jeff were, like, so what's the next one? We're, like, driving in Big Sur. And I'm like, wow, they're putting me on the spot here. Like, fuck! You know, I, mean, I make one movie a year. I'm investing my own money in this. What do you mean? What's the next one? Like, I'll figure it out. But in that, right in that moment, they were like, "What's the next one?" I was like, "American Juggalo," and they just both were like, "What? <laughs> what? That? What? What is that?" I was like, "Let's go to the gathering and just film with juggalos." And it all uh, it seemed to inspire us all that idea. So that August, we went to the to the gathering. You and I very much in love and in mm-hmm. lust mm-hmm. and um su- feeling super inspired and in you can feel that in those movies you could feel it if you watch those movies knowing that they're really all like our love story through other beings
1: well that's what was killing me about reading this was he- hearing like robert hunter talk about like the day that he wrote down broke down palace and ripple um, and to lay me down and to lay me Three.
0: down of the best songs ever.
1: He was reconnecting with an old love that day. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. like there's so much about following love in your life that it helps seduce the muse, because you know the muse is like it's the angels, but it's also the people you meet. So like seducing the people that you're around is like your first priority.
0: That's that's the first art.
1: Yeah, and so I mean I, I just I want to say I love you so much and I appreciate you and this oh, is yeah. you're so you're the sweetest and yeah, well, thank it's you. Uh, very mutual. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Oh, you you inspire me so much. Um, it's uh, yeah. It, it's it's kind of embarrassing. It might sound it might sound like fucking total cornball bullshit. Like we're putting this on is it's not. It's very real. It's very real. The moment I met you, I knew that I was uh, entering another dimension, and I was aware of it, and I was aware of how much it like. It was like Molly. It was like my heart was just like boom. boom warmth like it's gonna be okay yeah it's gonna be okay. that's
1: the coolest part about the territory is that there's potential for you to fall in love and mm. one how? of our really good friends you know i'll she was a little bummed at the beginning of pandemic because she's like wants a partner you know and it's like how do you meet people during pandemic and yeah stars aligned and she like met this incredible man who feels like a twin flame and she's like already saying like they're doing this thing together. and We should so, have
0: them on.
1: I know. We will. And so it's just like, it just gives me so much hope and I think faith. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind that like you deserve the love of your life. Like look for them and seduce them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so funny because I feel like karmically what I've had the like great fortune to do within this relationship is like also allow a place where I see you wanting like someone else is the muse, you know? And so like, there's, a, there's, a I don't have a choice. Yeah. Cause you don't have a choice. You can't be like, Cass is going to be my only muse for the rest of my life. Like, that's not how life works. Like, and that's what I appreciate about Neil Young is like Neil Young. I mean, broke hearts, did things, broke his band's heart by just being like, sorry, this isn't where the muse is. Like, I got to go.
0: I had to go in the middle of a fucking tour with Stephen Stills. Yeah. He just sends him a fax and he's like, Sorry, man. I can't hang. I I gotta go
1: Yeah, because he had to follow the muse and I think and
0: steven stills knew that about him Yeah, and was just like fine and just did the rest of the shows on his own
1: I mean would you want someone like neil young not going around following the muse?
0: No, and and even his friends respected that
1: and that's what i've come to respect about you in a way that actually doesn't hurt me Like I just realized that you're a soul out in this universe as deeply entangled and connected. We are you are your own soul and you will have your own muses and like i'm just grateful for the time that we have together but also i see that whatever inspires you like makes you this brighter flower Mm -hmm. and when there's a brighter flower in the room everyone benefits myself included and so it's like um just so beautiful to like i think just an important part of like the love that we're talking about is like why i think it's been able to last and be so bright is like the lack of um possessiveness we have over each other and like understanding that like we're each other's muses but we're also like inspired by the universe and just like grateful for the time we have together and i i don't know i might be cursing myself or regretting or not feeling this way if i was faced with the reality of it but i truly believe that if you didn't feel like you wanted to be in this relationship like i'm not saying i wouldn't cling but god i want you to be happy more than anything else and i think that's like the, the thing about, like, true, true love is, like, really just wanting what's best for the other person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, without your bullshit all over it.
1: Yeah, without my my idea of what the map should look like. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Well, um, our love uh, helped helped illuminate parts of the territory I didn't know were possible, and that's what love will do. And that, that's kind of, that's why we say this all the time, but our number one prayer for people that we're close with, I guess for anyone, is that they fall in love. Yeah. It's like.
1: It's a real consciousness shifter.
0: It's a, it's the fucking best thing to pray for, for your friends. Yeah. Is that they fall in love and that they fall in love again and that they just fall in love again and, and it's with all kinds of things and it's with all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I think thinking back just through our art, those projects were, were, um, were motivated by love.
1: We fall in love with the cam girls. We fell in love with everyone we met in Ox. Oceana, we um, every film is less legs. Alexander Perkins, American like, Juggalo too.
0: Every,
1: every movie we've ever made has been a love letter in some way or another.
0: And and uh, it, and and, it, and it, you can sense that when you watch them. Hopefully,
1: hopefully, yeah. I think
0: my first three films before I met you were at a way different part of my life. I was I was um, extremely inspired. And I was extremely motivated, and I was extremely ambitious for those three films. But the uh, it was it, it wasn't love as much as it was grief. I was I was really struggling with grief at that time, mm-hmm. and and I needed to move some energy. And thank God I, I fucking did that. Thank God I did that. It makes me think of a story we read in here
1: mm-hmm. last night. Yeah,
0: about um, about Ken Kesey. Met the, Ken Kesey. Of, fucking mount rushmore of of
1: uh heads of, of heads
0: <laughs> for real the, the merry pranksters like he wrote one flew over the cuckoo's nest and many other amazing things he was things.
1: Uh, early dosed by like uh, uh,
0: yeah he, he started MK doing that. ultra like he was part yeah. of all that stuff <laughs> like, like he yeah he he was part of um like psychedelic studies yeah, and early the, on before this shit hit the streets
1: the psychedelic bust further with the merry prankster he
0: took he, he, the acid test the
1: acid well yeah i mean the geez
0: ken kesey uh just fucking total legend and um he w- was, was close friends with the grateful dead he had had a kid with mountain girl who jerry was with in the early days and um at some point i think in the, in the 70s late 70s or something maybe early 80s um Tragically, Ken Kesey's teenage son um, was uh, with his high school hockey team on a bus going to uh, a a hockey game, and the bus went off a cliff, and his son son died. And um, he was overwhelmed. He was just completely overwhelmed with grief. And having seen that, seen what my parents went through, losing my sister, and that wasn't even sudden, Uh, you don't wish that upon your worst enemy. You really don't. You really fucking don't losing a kid, what a what a fucking nightmare. And um, the Grateful Dead invited him to a show, and uh, well, they played "Broke Down Palace," which Robert Hunter wrote the words for and Jerry wrote the music for, and um, and they all they all like acknowledged Ken and, and his grief in that moment. And he said, in that moment, his lens on what art was completely shifted from thinking that art was pumping your fist in the air, yeah, like get it, good, to thinking art is that that warm embrace, yeah, a hug, a hug for yeah, each other. Totally, it can be anything, but someone that that advanced in their art. To go through something like that at that stage in their life and then get a whole new lens on it and a whole new appreciation for it. A whole new appreciation for his friends, for the Grateful Dead, for his own work.
1: Yeah, to look at how he even, what he's doing and why he's doing it. Yeah. And to like make art from a place of like wanting to hug other people. I'm all for that. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I'm all for that.
0: That's what that song is too. Yeah. That's the most heart-wrenching song I've ever heard. Yeah. Broke Down Palace. Fuck, and he wrote that on the same day that he wrote Ripple and To Lay Me Down. His love, Robert Hunter's love, helped soothe Ken Kesey's grief all those years later.
1: That's a beautiful. That was a beautiful story to read. And thanks for remembering it.
0: Yeah, you know what else I love that you said in there uh, that you read from there last night is that at when when they were first when the Grateful Dead was first doing their thing, um Robert Hunter didn't allow them to publish his lyrics. Because he preferred that people, if they misheard them...
1: Like have their own associations. Just have their
0: own associations and just let it be what it is. Because he said, it, you know, some of his favorite lyrics of all time were songs he heard and he was misinterpreting the lyrics. Well, he's and an then once he hears the li- the real ones, he was like, oh, it's not as good as what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, well, he's an incredible lyricist. So I'm yeah. like, I don't know if it, we yeah. all... we all I'm grateful to see his lyrics now. Is th- what th- it's just,
0: this is such a beautiful, um, just a symbol of non-attachment mm. they talk about not being precious like he slaves over these words right it, it you know he, he talks about that in that book like it, it, these these things they take time to write he cares about he not only cares about how they sound and how they're sung he cares about how they look on the page right you know if, if you compare that to like like i think i think mick jagger is a great lyricist but if you look at his words on the page you it's not like it's not like beautiful poetry like that yeah i think because he's the performer and because he's singing them it's it's a whole different thing he's 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 writing the music along with with the lyrics and it's it's not some other thing so robert hunter's contributions to to music and even the way he he speaks about art and lyrics is just like such a treasure such a treasure
1: Right on, yeah. I feel that, yeah. Um,
0: let's spark one, cool. Spark one for Robert Hunter, cool, and Ken Kesey. yeah, and Jerry,
1: yeah, and Pigpen, and Brent, Keith, mm-hmm.
0: Keith Godshow, piano player for the Grateful Dead from 1971 to 1979. And then left the band and died in a car accident. Mm. (coughs) Oh, my God. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) That was horrible.
0: (coughs) Cass just knocked the cherry off
1: a joint. I literally just stuck my hand straight into the cherry. Remember when the first time you smoked weed and you were just like looking at how does everyone smoke and how do they pass it and like how many times do you puff it before <laughs> you pass it? I just remember being like so obsessed with like the optics of like looking like I knew how to smoke weed uh, that the first like 10 times I smoked weed was all about, okay, am I doing this right? Like, do I look cool? And like, here I am, however many years into smoking weed, I just like stuck my hand right into the chair. Yeah, cherry. you did. It's like, okay. I'm fucking I'm not total even rookie. En- not even embarrassed because I know I've smoked the weed. Yeah. To be able to do that. And not be embarrassed
0: No, I remember I remember the first time Somebody like Taught me how to smoke weed You know Because I was probably like Two or three weeks Into trying it And I had really Mainly just smoked They were like, like inhale <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I mean it is a whole different thing okay. I need to remind myself To inhale And sometimes I I
0: remind you And then, then your eyes go <laughs>
1: And sometimes I'm like Yo Weed is crazy Like because I like I'm I'm a shallow smoker Most of the time To be honest like, Yeah
0: you like the Rastas Yeah You know just like In out.
1: Yeah, it's not, like, a big thing, but, like, when I switch it up and I'm, like, <sighs> it's, like, almost a little too much.
0: That's where those big fish are.
1: You know what I was also thinking about? Sorry. Um, the fucking Bee Gees were talking about the uh, angels of music, like, that you don't write a song, that it, like, it, <sighs> it comes to you like a visitation.
0: The Bee Gees, man. What a gift. Who
1: would have thought that we would have become huge Bee Gees fans in...
0: In 2020? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I've I've always known their music. Um, I never really thought of them as brilliant songwriters, though. And now I do. You know what I you know what I love so much about them um, is they were they evolved with the times. And they were they were like they were big in the '60s. They had hits, and then it started to fall off a little bit in like the early mid '70s for them and they they needed something and they needed to be inspired they needed to fucking find the muse again and it happened it happened for them while they were in session recording a song at the end of the song like you know there there was like you know the verses chorus verse chorus whole you know thing and then at the end they're like let's switch it up a little bit do some um some ad-libbing so a lot of people you'll notice this in songs like let's let's fuck with the melody a little bit here in the last go round. you know give the people a little something Mm -hmm. so uh they're fucking around just ad-libbing just for the tail end of this song and barry gibbs started singing falsetto Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and um They put that song out and everyone loved it. And they were like, "We want more of that." And and then he loved using that voice so much, and they loved using that voice so much that they started to write songs for the falsetto voice. Then came fucking Saturday Night Fever.
1: Yeah. If I'm and they just
0: redefined their sound and and the sound of fucking disco. Like they came up with this whole fucking thing. Kind. They stumbled on it by accident, and then it defined the rest of their career. Yeah. This the the falsetto.
1: Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, it was from Nights of, on Broadway. They needed it to add more to it. Yeah. Give it another layer. It's a like great screaming.
0: song. Nights on Broadway is, is, yeah, is a great song, but yeah, it needed a little something. And, and the producer was like, can you get in there and do some, um, in key, can you do some screaming? So Barry just, he knew he could sing falsetto, so he just started doing it and then... That's the way they sang the rest of their career.
1: Because people loved it. But it-
0: Hit after hit after hit after that. It's it's like they stumbled onto a new realm. And it's like fucking so cool. And I know people associate the Bee Gees with like... Disco and and all this cheesiness and whatever. Those songs hold up. They're fucking dope. Those guys are incredible songwriters and performers.
1: That movie was so good because it really also allowed you the space to like fall in love with them mm-hmm. because they were just such artists. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they were just yeah. such followers of the munis And they were brothers who like went through the bad periods and like came back together and devoted themselves. And it's just, man, they. It was that was a great one. Yeah. Highly recommend.
0: And they and they had to deal with a lot of tragedy. Mm -hmm. you know constant constant loss constant sacrifices to the muse because sometimes that's what it requires totally sometimes that's what it requires and when when you're surfing those realms like no one touched those fucking peaks besides the beatles nobody touched those peaks and they even eclipse the beatles in a certain sense
1: yeah saturday night fever is like one of the best selling records ever it still is is one of the best selling records ever it's
0: it's kind of fucking insane and and the the whole thing we were saying this with your mom it's like how the fuck do we know all these songs like i I've, I've never sat down and listened to the Bee Gees in my life till recently how the hell do i know all these songs
1: there and with this movie is bringing on a second third fourth coming of them yeah you know hopefully
0: we're going to lead the charge they're going to be the ween of 2021 yeah <laughs>
1: Totally. Well, this documentary leads the charge, but we were picking up the slack anywhere it ha- is. So.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Watch that documentary and join us in our new love for the PG's.
0: Yeah, it's good fucking shit. This was fun.
1: Yeah, I kind of have to...
0: Well, I, know, I know I know, it's over because we have to pee. Yeah. And um, we're going to get nice and high, and then we're going to do this afterglow. Cool. For this show, which is going to be really fun, which you can watch us a little bit more on patreon.com slash church of chill and you get access to a whole bunch of stuff but
1: the radio show is my favorite but yeah we'll try to make this afterglow a close second yeah
0: we're on episode i think 92 of church of chill Mm -hmm. so there's like 130 hours of music on there mixes all done nice curated by myself
1: yeah they're
0: on there they're for you you know th- those those old episodes they're not obsolete it's music you know those are those are probably they've aged like fine wine
1: what i think would be a cool art challenge is like to try to like be like this is the church of chill we're gonna all make art too and then let's show each other the art that we make you
0: know? oh yeah let's encourage people to do that That would be like fun. If, if anyone because i think a lot of people like paint or write more, and or do whatever at least people, people
1: know who know us it doesn't matter if you're a painter it's like using different modalities to create is like so good for you and mm. so satisfying
0: yeah 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 so throw on the church of chill and get in the vibe with us mm-hmm. cool um thanks y'all for joining us we're sean and Cass. It's the Variate podcast check us out on the afterglow
1: peace and love peace and love